the abortion debate has been a hotbed topic ever since Roe v. Wade. And in recent years, political disagreements on the subject have divided the nation. To many, the question of whether abortion is essentially murder is elusive. But in this episode of Hardcore Christianity, Caitlin and I will attempt to provide answers from a biblical point of view. We'll explore statistics concerning the state of abortion in America. We'll try to determine if there is ever a biblically permissible reason to have an abortion. We'll take a look at whether the Bible addresses how we are to address abortion. And we'll discuss how to approach a believer who is considering having an abortion using the Bible as our guide. If you've ever wondered whether abortion is equal to the sin of murder, you'll want to stick around for this episode of Hardcore Christianity. Alex, thank you for joining me for another episode of Hardcore Christianity. Today, I have Caitlin with me, the first time I've had a female on the show, and I'm really thankful that you're here with me, Caitlin. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Super excited. And you know, I actually held off on doing this episode for a while because I wanted to make sure that I had a female perspective on the show. Um, so abortion has been on on my radar for a while, and I think it's a great episode to do for Hardcore Christianity, but I'm so glad that I waited to have a female's perspective on it because I think that abortion demands the sensitivity of a woman's point of view. So thanks again. So before we get started, I kind of wanted to talk about and, and let the audience know our knowledge or experience about abortion or lack thereof. So maybe if you could start off by telling me if you've ever had to, if, if abortion has ever been on your radar, if you've ever done anything with abortion, if you know anyone has abor- anything that, that you can um, disclose about your contact with abortion. Yeah, yeah, I want to be super clear in that I myself have never been in a situation where I've had to even consider an abortion. Um, I do not know anyone in my social circles who has at least been outward about having an abortion. And so the the only grounds that I'm really standing on at this point are um, those that I have researched. So okay. this is this is all from third-hand knowledge, and I just want to be super clear about that. Yeah, I like to um, mention this in the beginning of a show just so that everyone understands we're not experts on all of these topics, but we do use the Bible as our guide, and that really is something that I think any believer can can hold on to and use. But from my point of view, I have known a Christian lady who had an abortion. Now, I didn't know if she was a Christian when she had it or if she became a Christian um, after she had the abortion, but I can say that she is now adamantly pro-life um, because of it, and she's active. She's activist in the, in the abortion realm now. She really is a pro-life activist, I would say. Um, I myself have stood in uh, protest lines against abortion. Um, I was part of my church at the time, had um, stood out and did a silent protest um, against Planned Parenthood, and I was part of that, where we kind of stood at the road with our mouths with tape on it and just basically standing for those who can't speak for themselves. And so that is another thing that I've that I've been a part of with abortion. But I've never actually, um, I've never ha- had um, a girlfriend who's had an abortion or anything like that. So, uh, but I do, those are the only two brushes that I've had even with abortion. So that said, neither of us really are experts on abortion. Um, we're not, we don't come from a place where uh, we work at an abortion clinic or anything like that or know anyone who has or work on an anti-abortion campaign or something like that. So just want the audience to kind of be aware of that. So to start off, let's also talk about how we are defining abortion because there is a lot of different 
ways to define it. I mean, some people think that abortion begins at conception. If you after conception, life begins. Uh, some people might think that the morning after pill is a form of abortion. And there's also a lot of different uh, types of abortion. One of which is par- partial birth, birth abortion. So, Caitlin, what would you say? What would be your opinion, or um, even anything you've researched as to be, what would be a good definition for abortion? Yeah, so I actually went back and forth on this quite a bit when I was doing the research. Um, and I I think that maybe I should say, first of all, that I get really frustrated in our um, oversimplification of this issue. I hear words like woman hater and baby killer thrown out. And it's just it's so much more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. Um And so even in this research, I was going back and forth quite a bit as to even how I defined abortion. Um and again, you know, I'm, I'm definitely in a position now where I'm hoping to learn more even through this conversation. Mm-hmm. But right now, what I would consider abortion um, would be the termination of a fertilized egg. Okay. So after um, after conception, I think it's like, I don't want to know. I don't know exactly how long, but once the, the egg has actually been fertilized mm-hmm. and then terminating that matter, um, I would consider that to be an abortion. Okay. All right. Um, I also saw from the Oxford Oxford Dictionary, they have a a definition, and it is the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. And they go on to say most often performed during the first 28 weeks of pregnancy. But I really like their definition, as they say, the terminate the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy. And so for me, that would include that would exclude uh, things like the morning after pill or um, uh, any preventative mes- m- measures to prevent a, um, becoming pregnant, but it would include anything like the abortion pill or surgical abortion or anything like that. So I guess what I'm saying is, as far as this um, definition is concerned, it's once a woman realizes that she's pregnant uh, and then deliberately decides to terminate that pregnancy, that is my what I would consider the definition of an abortion. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd say I'm I'm right about there. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So yeah, I think that simplifies it. So once again, it's the deliberate termination of a human pregnancy is what we're gonna be going with in this episode of Hardcore Christianity. So why are we even asking this question? How relevant do you think it is? At least in my um my conversations that I have with friends and family and just people I interact with, this is a huge issue. Um, It's usually at the forefront of a lot of political discussions. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why did you vote for that candidate? Well, he or she feels this way about abortion. Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the leading polarizing political conversation in my circles. Um, So I just feel like I hear about it all the time. People feel so strongly. I mentioned that there's just this like oversimplification of like, well, you're a baby killer or, you you know, you're a woman hater. And and it just it, it escalates so quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel like it's just really important that if we're going to have an opinion on the matter that we discuss it and mm-hmm. we, we learn more about it. And um, it's just one of those things that we can't get by and say, you know, well, my, my dad told me this, so this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to do the work and have the conversation. And I think that's a really mature way to approach a topic like this, because I know that there are people out there who may be listening who either have had an abortion or have had brushes with abortion, or have thought about it or have been put in a position to consider it, and to just brush it off with a, a canned um response that we've heard or learned or been taught is to me just, uh, I don't know, it kind of minimizes their situation in my opinion. But I do at the same time want to make sure that uh, uh, as a believer in Christ that I um, 
align whatever it is that I believe with the Word of God. Um, I just wanted to bring out a couple of statistics and share them with you and get your thoughts on on these. Um, I went to the website, the CDC, that basically mentioned that the number of abortions reported between 1970 and 2016 is 46,413,319 abortions. And that is a lot of abortions. And so that to me kind of says, okay, well, this is a real problem. And I think also it could be a problem not only in in the culture where people do not believe in the Bible, but also in the church. Because I know that there are people who, who may attend church who have either had an abortion or have been faced with the possibility. CNN.com says that the majority of women who had abortions in 2015 were in their 20s. Um, 31.1% were ages 20 to 24, and then 27.6% were ages 25 to 29. So the majority, the, 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 the age where most abortions, according to their research, has happened is in the 20s, which I thought I found interesting. And then one more I wanted to point out is that it says a large percentage of women who had abortions in 2015 had had abortions before. Nearly 44% had one or more previous abortions, and more than 8% had two or three or more abortions. So it sounds like for some people, it's been a chronic, it's a chronic thing where um, if you have one abortion, it just sounds to me like some people are using it as a form of birth control or an oops fixing a problem. And uh, if you had it more than once, then I assume that maybe they might not have had a problem with it before since it's a continual uh, thing that they've done. But it has. I did find research saying that the rate of abortion has gone down over the years, which I thought was really good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I saw that too. So did you, did, are these statistics shocking to you or is it something that you've already kind of known? You know, I feel like I'm cheating a little bit because we talked about this in church, um, in the church that I attend a few weeks ago. And I remember hearing some similar statistics. Um, it is overwhelming. I mean, mm-hmm. when you think of 46 million people, that's larger than a lot of countries, right. you know, that that's a lot. right? Um, and so, again, I just think that's another reason why it's important to be talking about this mm-hmm. and make sure that we're really confident in, in what the Bible says and in our role um, in helping to um, advocate for what we believe in. Mm-hmm. So I think the sticking point of this whole conversation is that many people think that abortion is murder and many people think that abortion is is not equal to murder. Let me just bring up a couple of quotes that kind of highlight this. I I went to archbalt.org, which has a a hardline pro-life stance. It says, no matter how one looks at it, abortion is murder. To aid a person who engages in abortion or promotes abortion makes one an accessory to murder. And a couple of quotes that I found is one is um, Todd Atkin, and a Republican platform have highlighted the personhood movement to legally define fertilized eggs as human beings with the same constitutional rights um, born children have. And one more I'll, I'll mention before I get your opinion on the, the far, I would guess it would be far right. Um, Vox.com says, and this was written in December 2019, so it's really, it's very quite recent. Um, the Ohio bill, I'm not sure if you heard about this, um, but there was a bill that was created um, that, that creates a new felony called abortion murder, which makes uh, making people who have or perform abor- abortions subject to life in prison. So from the far right, um, it goes so far as to say, well, even at conception, it's, it's a, if you do anything 
by terminating a pregnancy, you should be put in prison for life or you, you should be charged with murder. So that's a very, very far right point, um, point of view. But then also there is the complete opposite. I um, read on rewire.news. Uh, and this is written by a woman named Nanya Chance. She says, my conclusion as a Christian is that the Bible is not anti-abortion. Rather, there is a non-biblically based movement that pretends to use the Bible as its justification for attacking women who do not carry a pregnancy to term. So she doesn't believe that uh, that the Bible even says anything, that it is bad to do an abortion. It's just that we use it when we say abortion is bad. And then we have the far... Right, who says that anything, any kind of thing that you do after conception should be uh, prosecuted as badly as if you created, if you perform murder um, to a, a, a breathing person. Mm-hmm. So th- does that shock you? Yes and no. Yes, in that we just love to take things, I think, as human beings and just polarize them. We love to just take things and run with them. And, you know, this is where I stand. And, oh, by the way, you know, if it was in this situation and that one, like, I need to stand and... um so I definitely, I, I can see it at the same time. It just, it makes it so, so difficult to even really talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, in preparation for this podcast, I just had so much anxiety <laughs> about like, oh my gosh, if I say the wrong thing, a person from one of those extremes is going to come find me, you know, and make me pay for it. Oh, wow. And so I am surprised in that we just, there's not, there doesn't even seem to be like a common ground, a common definition. Um, really, there, there doesn't seem to be any kind of effort to understand the other side, at mm-hmm. least from the mm-hmm. folks who are being the loudest. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that that is, it, it's surprising, it's difficult, uh, and I think it makes this right now, what we're doing, a lot more complicated. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I think I, think I you know, I had struggles with it as well. You're not alone in preparing for this. I thought it was going to be an easy thing to prepare for, but as we went, we've gone on, and the more I did it, the more I started to have anxiety as well. Uh, my anxiety was more on the, not that someone was going to come out and get me, but uh, <laughs> if I say something that the left want would take and run with as uh, me as as a misinterpretation of me saying that abortion is okay, you know that was my fear. So, mm. one last quote before we move on is uh, this is from TrueLife.org, and I think I wanted to end on this before uh, ending the the discussion on why is it important uh, because I think they wrap it up basically saying a lot of what I've already said. It says, needless to say, there are people on both ends of the spectrum and all in between when it comes to the question of whether or not abortion constitutes murder. So it's so polarizing, as you said. People are on both sides of the coin, even believers, because the one quote from the one woman, was she claims to be a Christian, and she doesn't think that abortion uh, should be an argument that Christians use the Bible to support or, or dis, uh, dissuade. So that's where we're starting from. And I know that this is a one-hour podcast or so, and we're trying to, to, to say a lot, and we're not experts ourselves. But we're going to try and crack the code and try and answer the question, is abortion murder? So let's move on to our personal thoughts. Woo-hoo. <laughs> so what are your personal thoughts as to whether abortion is, is equal to murder? <laughs> we'll just start with the nice, easy question, <laughs> right? Um, oh, man. And again, this is... I will, I will say, I feel like this is just filled with disclaimers, but I will say that I just went round and round on this subject. I truthfully believe that the more research I did, the more I understood both sides of the aisle um, and 
understood that this is an issue that is so much more complicated than what I even know. Mm -hmm. Um, And clearly by doing the research, like the the medical community doesn't agree on this. Hmm. So there's there's so much more to this issue um, than, again, than what we'll even touch on today, unless we make this like a four-hour podcast. Um, But I would say that where I'm standing right now, I would consider abortion to be murder um, once um, that egg has been fertilized and once the mother realizes that she's pregnant. Okay. Um, that being said, um, I do realize that I have grown up and live currently in a place of extreme privilege. Um, so I'm dating a young man. And if we were to find out today that we were pregnant, um, I have confidence that he would not only stay by my side, um, but he would support me um, emotionally, physically, financially. Um, We both are working adults and we both have um, a steady income and health insurance. Um, I also have a relationship with my family in that I know that um, if I was to become pregnant, I could move back to my parents' home and they would help me financially um, and they would help me um, again emotionally and they would help provide all of the things that I would need to raise a child. So while I understand where I'm coming from and that I believe that abortion is considered murder, I almost, I almost don't like to use those words because mm-hmm. they are so polarizing. Right. But for the sake of having a stance, um, I recognize that that's where I stand. Um, but it's a lot easier for me to say that because I have the tools and the support system um, and all of the things in place for me to be able to raise a child, even if it was an accident. Mm -hmm. I also think there is a lot to be said about the role of men um, when it comes to this this topic of abortion. I think the Bible has a a ton to say about the role of men um, in providing for families and supporting their significant other, their spouse, um, protecting their family units. um, and, And that, sadly, is not the world that we live in today. Um, And so I do think that it becomes a really interesting conversation um, around abortion when we're we're talking, it it seems to be like a woman's Mm -hmm. issue, right? Mm -hmm. We we talk about women committing abortions. Almost all the time. (laughs) Um, And and I think that some of that falls onto the way that we talk about it as a church. Um, You know, that there is no, no equivalent policy when it comes to men um, and men's sexual um, reproductive rights. Um, you know, I think we, we mentioned earlier, too, that there's there's this abortion issue and it becomes a woman's issue. Mm-hmm. And a man could impregnate a woman, leave, never know that he was a father. And there's something wrong with that. Uh-huh. Um, and again, I, I don't know what the answer is, but we've got to stop making this a woman's issue. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a larger community issue. And I think that especially us as a church, um, we need to hold our men accountable and create programs where men feel safe to go to um, if they have, if they're in a situation like this, or if they're just trying to learn more about what it looks like to lead a family or to do family planning. Um, And I just, I don't think that those programs exist right now in our churches. Um, And so it all becomes a retroactive conversation. Mm -hmm. It's not only to mention that, that the, you know, what happens if, if the man does not want to have an abortion, but the woman does want to have an abortion, the man has no rights in that 
scenario either. Mm -hmm. I actually had thought of this particular quote. I made this quote up. This is one that, that, that kind of, as you mentioned that, it made me want to bring it up at this point. It says, I, I had said, it is natural to be judgmental if we are truly unwilling to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. And if we are unwilling to put ourselves into some other person's shoes who um, are facing that um, that decision, it's easy to say, well, you're a murderer or you did wrong or what you're doing is, is I would never do. I mean, because but you were never in that situation. Mm-hmm. And so it's really tough to put um, ourselves to, to be able to make a, a, a moral judgment on something when we ourselves have never been there uh, to try and cast the first stone. But my opinion on the matter is that first off, I want to say before I get into mine, because I, I was, I had, um, I actually struggled a lot with this answer as well. And I lost sleep over it, actually, mm-hmm. when I was, I was trying to figure out how am I, I going to answer this question. <laughs> uh, but I, I will say right off that I do believe that babies that are in the womb are alive. I believe there's enough uh, um, um, scientific um, biological data to prove that there that when um, a baby is fertilized, when when the the visions start and everything, uh, that there is life uh, uh, within the womb. That said, I uh, do believe that humanity has decided to boil down the miracle of creation into a simple equation as to whether someone is unborn or someone is not, and we have decided to make a judgment on what only the divine can judge. It brings me back to, uh, um, I'm sure you're probably familiar with Job, and uh, after he had lamented and God had heard his lamentation, uh, God pretty much laid into him like, who are you? And I think that that's where we are as a human race when we talk about abortion. Um, And Job 38, and this is only in part of what God says back to Job, he says, who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me. You, if you understand, who marked off his dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched out the uh, the measuring line across it? Um, on what were its footings set, footings set? And who laid its cornerstone? Do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? And it goes on uh, and on. But it but the point is is that are we really qualified? Mm-hmm. The, I think that the the um, the birth process from conception to birth is so divinely inspired that it is arrogant for us as human beings to think that we can decide and make um, judgment on something that only I think God can judge. Because science says that a person is alive or, or something is alive at cell division, and we can also understand when the presence of a heartbeat happens. But theologically, how can we know at what point where God determines or decides to imprint a soul or a spirit on a person or a child? I mean, how can we be so arrogant to think that we know, okay, well, at conception, that is when a person is a person or wh- whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is where I'm at kind of. And, uh, um, so how can we determine when a child is a child? And that is where Job had his, he, he got slapped around by God. And I think that's where I was. I was, I got slapped around by God too, <laughs> thinking, you know, how is it that you know anything? Yeah. Um, it is elusive for us to, de- to try and determine the, I think trying to determine when a, ch- a, a baby is a, as a person, when a, a, a embryo or whatever it is, is a person is almost like trying to determine the exact location of heaven. Like, how do we know that? I mean, how could mm-hmm. we possibly? And we could say, oh, it's up there. But 
We around. don't that, and that's no. even we don't know. We don't know. Yeah. Uh, we not are not qualified. Only God knows that. In the same way that I think that God only God knows when, and I believe that I believe that a person is a person. Uh, what does God consider a person? Not what we consider a person. Is it when um, the spirit is imprinted, the soul is imprinted on a person when they, when it's a, it's a person when they die. Now they have to. It's, it's the decision whether they're going to go to heaven or hell, or is it just uh, just a living thing? Without the imprint of the of the spirit and the mm. soul, is that's where I that's where I kind of get confused. Yeah. So humans are not qualified to define uh, or even comment on the divine. Just like I think Job was not qualified to lament in the way that he did because he's not God. So all that said, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> that's my that's my short answer. But I believe that there is biblical evidence against and for, and I'll point out a couple. Um, and you might even have these listed for when we talk about what the Bible says. But one of the ones that, of course, every believer seems to use is um, Psalm 139.13, which says, For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. And it goes on to talk about the magnificent creation process that God does, which proves that um, God is in control of the birthing process. And when John the, ba- the Baptist um, sensed that Mary... Um, was pregnant with Jesus, he leapt in the womb. And that just proves to me that there is life in that womb. I mean, dead tissue cannot leap. But also in Genesis 2, 7, it alludes to the idea that the soul and the spirit are imprinted on a, on a, uh, a life um, outside of the womb. And the reason I say that is because it says that then the Lord God formed uh, a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a human being. So I don't know what the answer is. But I do believe that we should honor and consider God the the author of life. And whether we consider abortion murder or not, um, I think it is clear that God considers it a sin and that it is immoral. And I'll explain more about that as we talk about this in the second part of the, the episode. But Hopefully you follow my ramblings on that. It's really kind of convoluted. Yeah, no, I'm I'm really glad to hear you say that. Um, it kind of I feel like it takes the pressure off a little bit. Like, of course we don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. We're not God. Right. Like, there's right. a there's a reason we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of listening to what you were saying too about um, just how the how how divine the process of of creating life is. Um, that I think was a big part in like helping me to reach my um my current stance on the issue um if i if i was to die and go to heaven and be wrong right like if i went to heaven and was like oh you know i'm i'm on this side of the aisle um and to realize oh you know what that was wrong mm-hmm. i would rather be wrong um on yes. the side of of um standing up for life in all its forms yes i agree with now, that now that being said there is something to be said about how that how making the decision to bring a pregnancy full term can diminish life in other forms. And I'm sure we'll talk about that maybe further on as we get more into um, the nuances and such. But um, as a blanket statement, if I'm going to be wrong, I want I would rather be wrong um, advocating for the rights of all humans. I agree with that. And, you know, I the reason I you might have picked up on the reason I was kind of a little afraid to say what I said, because if people pick up on the idea that, oh, we don't know when God imprints a spirit and a soul in a person, then it could be argued that abortion's okay. And I don't agree with that abortion's okay. I don't agree with that at all. But um, is it murder? I'm not qualified 
to say one way or the other. But I think we'll, I look forward to talking more about that. But let's get into this next question, which is, is there ever an acceptable or even biblically, biblically permissible reason to have an abortion in your opinion? Yeah, this is, oh gosh, these are tough. These are <laughs> I know, tough I know. questions. We throw you in the deep end on your first episode. Hey, that's okay. That's what, that's what we're here for. This is hardcore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So again, I will lead with, I, I don't know for sure. Um, I do think that it's an interesting thing, at least from like a legal perspective, to try to implement policy on this because every pregnancy is different. Mm -hmm. Every woman is different. Mm -hmm. Every situation is different. Um, I think the case can be made um, that if if the if bringing the pregnancy full term poses a risk to the woman's um, life, safety and maybe even long term health. Um, for example, before girls have finished puberty um, or if there is some sort of a dangerous pregnancy um, that I think you can make the case for um, for abortion. Um, I think there is, I mean, maybe it's a stretch, but the whole concept of like Christ came to give us life and to live life abundantly. Mm -hmm. um, at what point, you know, is are we taking away the potential of abundant life from a, a woman who was raped um, or was somehow the result of a circumstance she couldn't control. Mm -hmm. So I do think that there is, um, there there are cases where um, it, I don't want to say where it's right, um, okay. but that I could see it being permissible. Permissible. Okay. Thank you for that word. Yeah. That's a good one. <laughs> um, but in terms of like making a policy on that, I don't think that, I don't think we can do that. Yeah. I can't do that. Yeah. And you know, just like our walk, with Christ, it comes down to the individual, right? I mean, to be able to tell someone how to live their life is almost like trying to tell an unbeliever, you know, pointing at them and saying they're sinning when they don't understand sin. Yeah. Uh, but when I, my personal opinion on the idea is that, I, you know, I'm not sure if I could think of a single reason why God would find abortion permissible. I hear what you're saying. I really appreciate what you said there. And as you say it, I can understand it, but biblically I'm wondering, uh, if you look through the lens of the Bible, and you'd had, you did point out some biblical things, which I appreciate as well. Um, in the Bible, giving birth was almost looked at as a blessing and a gift. Uh, and that is clear. I mean, if you look at the Old Testament, you can see, you know, even women really wanted to have a, a child. And, and it was a blessing when they had a child. And they, and they felt like they weren't blessed when they didn't have a child. Um, but as for rape and incest, I think that the act of rape and incest is sin and it is deplorable, uh, but the child is innocent. So that's kind of hard for me to really see. Now, when I'm saying these things, it's biblically based. Now, I think I could see why any human would want to have an abortion for almost any reason, because we are humans and we have uh, uh, reasons that may not may or may not be biblical. But from a biblical point of view, um, I can th I can see it from the child's point of view that they are innocent and the woman can have has a choice, and from uh, the mental or the physically deformed, uh, you know, if now you can it can be determined whether a woman has a child that is going to be either mentally handicapped or physically deformed um, before they even have the baby. And some people would say, well, that's a good reason to have an abortion, but still. Um, the Bible does talk about uh, um, humans as being made in the image of God, and that uh, through that lens, I still don't know if the, it would be biblically permissible to have an abortion based off of that. Uh, now, there is in Leviticus, um, 
it is said that uh, if a child is born with defects or looks differently and they're a descendant of Levi, who was, you know, the priests of the time, uh, they would not then be allowed to be in God's presence because of their deformity and because of their, if, like, say, if there was a dwarf that was born a dwarf. Um, so that said, it, I think there's biblical evidence that God does look on the handicap differently and that, in that particular uh, instance. But besides that one instance, I still believe that God does uh, look at humanity as being the image of God. So it'd be hard for me to say that it'd be biblically permissive. Uh, and any other reasons um, that I can see for an abortion uh, is, I always think of it as being using a lot, some people use it as belated birth control, you know, just some way to try and get rid of a problem. Or mothers may use it because their their daughters are are so young that they don't want them to have a, have a child. Their children are children themselves, and it can get rid of a, of a problem. And so that, I would also say, is not biblically permissible. So as I look at the whole gamut of the arguments for, for me, I have not found a biblically permissible reason to have an abortion. Um, but I, but I do understand the argument for a woman's health and, and when it's really, truly a woman's health, whether they're going to live or die or someone who's young who might, ha might die because of it. So I do appreciate your argument on that. Yeah. Yeah. I did, um, have one question for you. Um, sure. I know that in some of our, our research, um, we had looked at, um, a passage in numbers that was describing, um, an adulterous wife and, um, basically, um, you know, the, this is Caitlin's paraphrase of the Bible, the, the okay. new Caitlin version. <laughs> um, and if a man was suspicious of his wife's fidelity, then he could take her to the priest. She would drink this weird concoction that would right. make, you know, something about her legs swell and stomach bloat and all mm -hmm. this fun, really graphic Old Testament type language. Mm -hmm. um, and I have heard that there is an argument um, in, uh, or I have heard that there has been an argument made about this passage that talks about how that um, was actually a, a, a quote-unquote potion that would help the woman miscarry if she was indeed pregnant um, out of adultery. Mm -hmm. um, curious to know what your thoughts are on that or if you had heard of that story. I have heard of that story. I was planning to skip it because oh, I didn't know. No, no, no. no um, <laughs> th but that's that's relevant. I, I do see what you're saying. Uh, but I would say, and, and, and I don't want to make this sound like a cop-out, but um, the Old Testament is different than the new covenant, the new Testament. Uh, when we look at, um, the old Testament and one of, and some of the laws that God put in place there, it was for the Israelites because they were supposed to be set apart. They were supposed to be perfect. They were supposed to have, um, that, you know, their stand, the standard was, was, was very, very harsh. I mean, if, if, that's not the only thing that is said in that, in that, uh, whole line of things that God doesn't want. And with a, a very, very, what we might consider unreasonable, uh, solution. Um, it's like, well, if you if you slept with someone, you should be stoned, or if you uh, did so and so, you should be excommunicated, or if you touch a dead body. I mean, there's a lot of different things that um, us today in our culture would look at and say, well, that's extreme. No way. Why would he, God, our God, want to do that? Our God's a loving God, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I do look at that. I don't look at it necessarily as the same as abortion. Um, but I could see the argument, how that argument could be made, but I would default on the idea of what Jesus says and how Jesus talks about love and how Jesus, um, presents himself in the new Testament. And when you can't find a complete answer, and I'm not trying to say that this, that, 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 that doesn't amount to some form of abortion, I would default on the character of God 
and know that uh, what I believe the character of God is um, is something that uh, would would not want uh, would care about um, the the process that he put in place. Now, if God said and, and he laid out those those um, rules for that particular form of testing whether a woman is is has been um, unfaithful, then he is sovereign. He can do what he wants to do. He's the one who made uh, the whole plan of abortion uh, of uh, birth. So if he decided that that's one of the ways he wanted people to test, well, so be it. That's God. Uh, but for me to just decide whether, well, use that as a um, as a, a license to abort um, to me is um, arrogant and also um, uh, just trying to twist something into something that it, I don't think it was intended to be. Okay. So long answer. I know, yeah, no, but, no, that makes sense. Um, so moving on, how should Christians address abortion? Is there anything we should do about it? Or is there anything that we, is there any, is it our job to act on it? What would you say? Oh, now this question I like. I, I have something I feel confident about <laughs> oh, for okay. this question. Yeah. So um, how should Christians address abortion? I will say that in my experience with the Christian church, I have been overwhelmingly disappointed with the way that the church has handled this particular issue. Um because I feel like, again, we just love to oversimplify things. Um, we like to take our interpretations and run with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think we don't always, again, like I had mentioned, like consider our privilege um, and how, you know, if I come from a nuclear family of a Bible-believing home and a network of a church to help support me in mm-hmm. an unplanned pregnancy, mm-hmm. that looks very different than the majority of women who are having abortions. So I think the conversation needs to take a pivot um, to a more supportive, encouraging, nourishing stance. Um, I think there's a lot to learn um, from mother-baby supportive agencies, adoptive agencies, um, and and I think that those relationships and those community partnerships can be better developed between churches and organizations that are supporting moms um, in unplanned pregnancies. Um, I do think that um, some sort of a pregnancy care ministry Um, At least my current church does not have this. Um, And I think that that would be an incredible opportunity um, to kind of open the doors toward women who are feeling scared and shame. Mm -hmm. Um, I had mentioned before that I was feeling really anxious about coming into this Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. And I feel anxious because I'm afraid of what my friends and my family and my conservative community would feel about me talking about Mm -hmm. abortion. And I'm not pregnant. So to have the experience where you um, uh, you had an unplanned pregnancy outside of even a committed relationship mm-hmm. or a marriage, and then to turn around to a community that is so vocally anti-abortion yes. and um, an anti-premarital sex, um, and again, I think that's again it's 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 important. We like to make it the dagger, you know, the hill we die on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for for me as a potential you know, mother of an unplanned child to walk into that community, I would feel an incredible amount of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to speak to speak about abortions um, so so violently, I think as you um, you had read some of those quotes um, from you know the kind of the far far side of the conservative. Right. Um, it's not it's not going to reduce the amount of abortions people are having. Mm-hmm. It's not going to reduce the amount. Um, or it's not going to reduce premarital sex. Mm-hmm. Um, it's going to make people feel guiltier when they partake in those things. Um, 
So I think there's more that we can do to change the way that we talk about abortion. Um, I also think, and maybe this isn't the conversation for this, but I also don't think, me again, my expert, expert (laughs) self, I don't believe that illegalizing abortion is the answer, at least not alone. Um, Quite often, you know, I've even seen at my church, we've signed a petition Mm -hmm. um, that was intended to affect policy to illegalize abortion. Um, And I think you had read the statistic, you know, there were almost 800,000 babies aborted last year. Mm -hmm. Um, We currently have about 600,000 babies, or excuse me, people in the foster care system. And so if you think about that, if we were to make abortion illegal, Again, it wouldn't necessarily mean we'd have 800,000 babies, but let's say um, that last year abortion was illegal and all 800,000 of those babies had to come into our foster system. Mm-hmm. Are we equipped to take that on? Is the church equipped to handle that? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another stat too that I read from the Guttmacher Institute um, that uh, roughly 50% of Americans consider themselves to be pro-life. Um, it's a very neck-and-neck neck issue. 2% of Americans adopt. Wow. 2%. Yeah. So, and I understand that there are financial and logistical barriers to get into the adoption program. Mm-hmm. And some people are waiting. And, you know, there are all kinds of choices of why and why not to adopt. And it's, again, more complicated than that. But 2% versus 50. Yeah. yeah. So... Again, I mean, gosh, this is such a complicated issue. But when we see these very impassioned people um, marching and signing and yelling, you know, that that very um, Mm -hmm. passionate, impassioned, but Mm -hmm. aggressive behavior and conversation around abortion, um, what are are you doing about it? Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying move the policy forward and elect officials to make it illegal. I'm saying, how are you supporting the people who are in the system right mm-hmm. now? Um, where are you spending your time volunteering? What are you financially supporting? Are you making that decision to become a foster parent or an adoptive parent? If you truly believe in that. Hmm. Um, I also learned from the same, this gut matcher Institute um, that 75%, this was in 2014, I should specify. In 2014, 75 percent of abortion patients were living below the federal poverty level, which means they were making less than $15,000 a year for a family of two. So there are, you know, as, as much as we, we say again, that this is, this is not God's plan for humanity. Imagine if that baby had been born and raised in that environment, what their life would have looked like. Hmm. I have interacted with um, several kids through some mentorship programs who are raised in cyclical poverty And I would not wish that on a child. Hmm. Um, Seeing the violence in the home, seeing the extreme levels of hunger um, and of abandonment Mm -hmm. and the emotional issues and the Mm -hmm. behavioral issues. And it compounds generation to generation. Um, It really makes me think that, you know, we as a church love to say, like, you should not do that. Mm -hmm. But when we actually see, like, what that looks like to a young potential mother mm-hmm. who maybe doesn't have the support of her boyfriend or significant other. Um, it's, it's just, it's, it, we need to change the conversation, mm-hmm. I guess, for to make the long answer short. Um, it needs to, we need to reevaluate how we're talking about and interacting with and supporting that community. Wow. I really appreciate what you said and how you said it. Um, I did not expect uh, 
this conversation to go the way that it has gone. <laughs> it's, it's pleasant. It's not. I'm not saying that's bad. It's just um, since, and I'm sure you probably can agree, as you've ha- actually alluded to, that you're kind of fearful sometimes of what your friends might think because the argument is so volatile and so passionate uh, uh, toward pro-life. And the arguments that you've made I ha- has entered my mind uh, from uh, time every, every once in a while. It does, it does enter my mind. Um, when I think about the idea of uh, the unborn, um, one one of the things, wh- what you said, one of the things that does come to mind is that one quote that I mentioned, again, I'll, I'll mention it one more time because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dovetail off of it, is that it is natural to be judgmental if we are truly unwilling to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Now, when I was a young a young person and a teen, I did think I had gotten someone pregnant. And I was faced with that anxiety and uh, fear of what it is that you're going to do. You know, am I going to ruin my life? And I know it's her child. I mean, I'm thinking myself, you know, and it was it was not there. Was, she was not pregnant. Uh, but um, the, the, the thing is, I think um, sometimes we can be judgmental when we've never been there. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm not, I haven't had been faced with that, that reality, but I have felt the anxiety of um, wondering now, what am I going to do? Because with a child, your whole life can change. So I can understand why anyone would, would, would that would enter their mind. I, I, could, I guess I could say that. Um, but to answer the question, which was, uh, what can we do? I do think that, um, that uh, there are some, a biblical argument for protecting those who can't speak for themselves. I do think that we need to vote for whatever kind of world we want to live in. And I do think that our voice matters. I do think that there is a good argument uh, for the protection of the unborn. Uh, Proverbs 31, 8 says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the right of those who are destitute. And I think that uh, that is a common argument uh, for believers who want to stand on the rights, uh, the pro-life. I do have some friends. I have. I, I know of a woman who is um, uh, works in uh, alternatives, and uh, she is. I mean, and I think that for for the most most part, people who are believers who are working in those those areas are very passionate about pro-life. But I don't think that they've thought it through like you have about um, what are we going to do if we get our way. Uh, but I still do think that that that, that you, you're right. I think that the argument has to. We need to start thinking about. Okay, well, what is it? What are we going to do if we do? If things do go the way that we want to, and legislation changes, I agree. I think one of the things we could do is um, be supportive uh, for those who are recovering from abortion. I think that we should be um, uh, uh, um, proactive in that way um, because. There's only the one woman that I know of who has had an abortion. It was really, really hard on her. I can only imagine what um, that must be like for multitudes of people who have had an abortion and either they didn't want to have it or were forced into it or are coerced into it or maybe they did they did want it, but now they're thinking, well, that was probably not the right thing to do. So I like that idea. Uh, supporting pro-life institutions, I think, matter. I like that idea. I also think that is education on what abortion actually uh Education on what abortion actually is matters. Um, the long-term effects and the and the different types of physical and mental uh, effects that it can have, and the truth about what it is to have a, to have a living fetus being inside of you. So that conversation, I like that that is happening. But I think one of the things that we should also talk about is um, the language that is used. 
Um, I think we should stop using terms like uh, women's health, uh, that really means abortion, or pro-choice, which really can mean abortion. I think that we should say what we mean and not if that's what you really mean, then I think that that's what you should say. That being said, I do think that it really is a it's a tough conversation. It is a tough conversation for, of course, two people who don't know much about it. Experts. To, yeah, exactly. Experts, <laughs> experts uh, talking about how we can solve this problem. But the problem aside, in this next episode, the next part of the show, we're going to talk about biblically what we can, what the Bible says about it. So, um, so when we do come back, we'll take a deeper look into what the Bible says about abortion. We'll address how we might respond to believers who are considering having an abortion, and we'll try to answer the question, if abortion is equal to murder or is considered sin, what does that say about our God? So stay with us. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at Hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Listen to half-hour episodes of the Christian Music Podcast online or download them to your computer or mobile device and take them with you. Discover independent Christian artists while exercising, commuting to work, doing chores, or any time you need to get your Christian music fix. Just go to ktfproductions.com and find the Christian Music Podcast link to access the Christian Music Podcast. Boldly proclaim your faith while also supporting the Hardcore Christianity Podcast. Find Hardcore Christianity t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, smartphone cases, pillows, mugs, and more. Just go to the Hardcore Christianity page at ktfproductions.com for links to the store. Today, Caitlin and I have been exploring the question, is abortion murder? In the first part of the show, we examined the state of abortion in our country, we shared our personal thoughts as to whether we think abortion is equal to murder, and we discussed how we believe Christians should address abortion. But in this segment, we'll begin by taking a closer look at what the Bible says about abortion. So, Caitlin, do you have any thoughts about what the Bible says about abortion? Oh, I was hoping you would go first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I never go first. I'm the host. Yes, no, that's important. <laughs> Lucky you. Um, yeah, so this this is a tough one, and it's going to maybe get people a little riled up. But I truthfully believe that, at least in my interpretation of Scripture, that there is relatively little to no information about what a safe medical abortion looks like in the eyes of God. Um, I think there's a lot there's a lot of imagery and words around God knowing us before we were born. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's important. I don't know if it's enough to say that abortion is a sin. Um, because, I mean, if, if God knew me before I was born, maybe the fact that my parents choosing to use contraceptives instead of having me, maybe that's that's where they mm -hmm. went wrong, um, which is a stretch, I understand. Um, but I was delighted and frustrated to see the lack of specificity around um, pre-born, pre unborn um, children. Mm -hmm. um, there was... Um, there was one particular verse 
um, that st- that stuck out to me in looking at some of our um, pre um, research scripture. And that was a verse from Ephesians. This is what the Lord says, your redeemer who formed you in the womb. I am the Lord, the maker of all things who stretches out the heavens, who spreads out the earth by myself. Um, and that, that struck me differently than some of the other scripture. Um, just knowing that the Lord, the Lord, the same Lord who created the earth formed me in the womb. Mm-hmm. Um, that means that there, there's something that's happening in the womb that makes me a person, or at least makes me created in the image of God, um, that separates, that, that, that specifically talks about before I was born. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that has resonated in my, in my brain that has kind of, kind of kept going up. And while I still am forming my thoughts on it, um, that's kind of where I started mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. navigating scripture mm-hmm. journey. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Um, I took a different tact as far as the biblical explanation is concerned. I think that from our conversation in the first half, if you read me correctly, you'll understand that I'm not quite sure if I think abortion is murder. But I do still think abortion is sin. And what, why I think it is sin is, in my opinion, biblically based. If we look at uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Do nothing out of selfish invi- ambition and vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Now, whether someone believes that abortion is equal to murder or not, I think it is certainly subverting God's plan. And I think it is the ultimate act of selfishness if it is done in a way that is just trying to get rid of a, a problem. Uh, it is contrary to God's character. As a matter of fact, I think that um, if we are doing, if we are performing an abortion because you know we don't want to take care of this problem, it's our life we want to preserve. We don't, our future is bright, and now it's not bright anymore because we have um, now this new child to dis- to, de- to decide what we're going to do with. If that then is the uh, the catalyst for the abortion, I think that that is based on a, 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 a selfishness. And I think that um, Philippians 2.3 that I just read is basically saying that selfishness is something that we shouldn't have as believers. So that's my argument against abortion in, in that context. But then in 1 John um, chapter 5, verse 17, says that you know all wrongdoing is sin. And I would argue that for, the, for most people, whether believers or not, our conscience tells us that abortion is inherently wrong, or at least not right. So when we, when we have an abortion... For the most part, unless we're making a political statement, we're not going to go out and say, yes, I had an abortion. Uh, you know, I check me out, you no know, type thing. For the most part, I think that most people, when they struggle, or some people don't struggle with it, but if you think about it, if you do kind of play around with it, you'll. it's a struggle because you're not at peace with it. It's not necessarily a right thing. And I think that, um, that there's a lot of argument that it could be wrong. So all wrongdoing is sin. And then also I would say um, that we've um, seen that it always seems that we want to rank order sin, um, thinking, of course, that murder is worse than adultery or that abortion is worse than stealing. And so using the idea, uh, the title of this podcast, uh, this episode is Abortion Murder. I purposely said murder because I believe that a lot of believers do think of it as murder, as we saw in in the statistics. But I think that when you use the word murder, I think that people has a has a worse connotation because people think that murder is the absolute worst thing that people can do. And as far as the biblical mandate is concerned, if you look at the Ten Commandments, um, 
there are a lot of things. Uh, the last six commandments are against man against man, what man is doing against man. And and it doesn't say that a, that murder is the worst. It's murder is among the six. So in our earthly minds, it, we may think that murder is the worst thing ever, but um, it is just one of the many sins that we do against another person. And I would argue that the Bible basically tells us that our selfishness um, is a sin, uh, especially uh, if we use it uh, against another. Um, the Bible tells us that we are to treat one uh, one another, treat others as you would want yourself to be treated. And Paul even says to value them above yourself, to treat them as better than yourself. So if you were to use that argument, then I would consider whether the your, your motivation behind abortion might then be considered sin. All that to say that I don't, I agree with you, I don't see anything biblically that speaks out specifically against abortion, but I do believe there's a lot to be said about our heart and our motivation and why we do what we do and uh, and why we would choose abortion. I do know that there's, and their statistics confirm that there are people who have multiple abortions. Not trying to vilify those who have multiple abortions, but I, am to, it, I do want to mention that it does sound to me like if someone does have multiple abortions, then it probably is now being used as a get-out-of-jail-free ticket. I know that's really callous, but I didn't mean it that way. But I, 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 it's just like I, I don't want to have this child. Now I just want to get rid of it. And in those instances, I would argue that the Bible does support the idea that it is a sin. Can I push back on please, you a little bit? Please push I back. Just, I am asking this out of curiosity more than um, ob- objection, but I am wondering, so if I am maybe a young mother and I um, do not have the support of a significant other, finances, maybe I'm, ba- I'm battling addiction, I think I have heard the argument made that the act of abortion is actually one of selflessness because even if I might want to raise a child, that child raise being raised in that community um would not live though i I had mentioned before some of the cyclical patterns Mm -hmm. and poverty Mm -hmm. um and addiction um and so what what do you think about that that the selfless decision would be to not raise a child in that environment well i think that if we start to subvert the plan of god um assuming that once the 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 pregnancy process starts, it is God's decision and his plan for that to be fulfilled. That could be debate, debated. Uh, but if it is God's plan, and that is my argument that it is, okay. uh, because um, as I mentioned earlier, the whole divine nature of abortion is well beyond our pay grade, so to speak. It's well beyond us. We do not know. So I would say that once the pregnancy process starts, it is God's God's deal. It's in his hand. And I I don't have the authority to stop it because mm-hmm. I'm not God. I don't understand what's going on underneath the hood. So I can argue all day long that that is a person there. I can argue all day long that it's not. But what cannot be argued is that it's not, I didn't start, the, I, it's not me. It's not, yeah. I'm saying that it's God. Mm-hmm. So my argument as, as uh, and I don't want it to sound um, uncaring or um, and I know it might to some, but uh, I think that when it comes to God's plan, and, and a lot of things in the Bible may sound wrong or harsh, mm-hmm. but I think that when when if it's God's plan, I don't believe that it's our 
right to subvert it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that would be my argument against it. As far as um, what happens after the child is born, and I get your argument about the uh, the the conditions that might happen, and and uh, <clears throat> that we might this child may be born in a situation where they're totally disadvantaged and and having a, a horrible life. But how are we to know what God's going to do with that life at that point? I mean, He could change the whole situation. He could. And, I, and I, 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 the argument can be made that there's a lot of times when he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, to subvert that, I mean, you can also say, I mean, if you use that argument about uh, being born in a, a disadvantaged or a bad situation, a bad environment, then what about all of the uh, areas around the world where poverty is already totally stricken areas and yet they're still having children? Are we to say that, well... You shouldn't have a child because who would want a child in that situation? Um, I've been to Haiti several times where, um, now they don't have it, they're not starving, but they are certainly hungry a lot. And uh, it could be argued, why are you guys even having children? Because you can't take care of the child, you can't even hardly feed yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but my argument would be that the Bible explains and, and it backs up the idea that children are a gift and that it is a blessing. Now, I don't have children of my own. But um, I can see how children can be a blessing. I would love to have children myself. I, we just can't have children. Um, and so I know you're right. I'm, I'm coming from a privileged perspective too. And it's not like I'm in a situation where I now have to decide how am I going to feed my child. But, um, but if children are a gift and if God is sovereign and his plan is his plan and if we have no say really, if, if, we, if, we can't, if we're not um, qualified to determine what is a life my argument would be that you we i I can't i mean i uh, me subverting god's plan is self as an act of selfishness okay but fair very fair thanks for answering the question all (laughs) righty hopefully that was helpful to somebody uh well why don't we head on to what we would say to a believer who has had an abortion or is considering having an abortion Mm -hmm. (laughs) another easy question right (laughs) (laughs) yes um yeah, so if I um and there you know what statistically speaking there may be someone in my social circle who has either thought about this decision or has made it um and I just don't know. So I do think there is something to be said about speaking about this um in a very respectful way. Mm-hmm. Um again, it all comes back to the way that we're we're honoring the dignity of young women mm-hmm. um who don't have the support that um maybe we have. Um if I was to see someone today or no love someone today who came to me and, and thought they were considering having an abortion, um, I would first make sure they know that you are going through something that I have not been through. So I can't pretend to know how you feel. I mm. cannot tell you what to do. Um, I am here to support you. I am here to listen to you. I will love you no matter what decision you make. Mm-hmm. Um, I cannot decide what's best for you. Um, and you are you. You know the situation that you're in. Um, but let's talk. Let's let's talk about why you are considering this decision. Um, and just, I mean, for the love of Pete, American Church, let's close our mouths and open our ears and listen mm-hmm. um, and truly be there for people who are hurting and who are facing really difficult decisions. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would... Um, hopefully um, encourage this person to explore some alternatives, um, but go with them. It's not just like, okay, here are some, here's a list of places you can go, have fun, um, let me know how it goes. Mm-hmm. This is, you are important to me and I want you to feel like I am 
um, I am a support to you. So let's go together. Maybe they don't have someone in their life that they can can talk to um, or or explore other options with. Again, there's so much feeling of shame mm-hmm. um, when this happens. And so I would really want to make myself available to to go with this person and, and help kind of talk through some different um, ideas. Um, perhaps if there is someone who's willing to be contacted about this, like, hey, you know, I know that this person has either gone through this experience or made a similar, had to make a similar choice. Let's talk to them about mm-hmm. their experience. Mm-hmm. Um as again, I am not an expert mm-hmm. as much as I like to think that I am. <laughs> um, and again, if someone if someone has had an abortion and is coming up to me and, and looking for that support, I think my main message there would just be you are not alone and you are you are worth more than the sum of the decisions that you've made or the actions that you've taken. Um, you are created by God mm-hmm. and you are loved by him. And therefore, like if for no other reason, you're loved by me and um and you have a place here. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if we're talking about the church, right, Christians, mm-hmm. yes. um, if you're at the doorstep of the church, you have a place here. Even if you have made this decision, I know it hasn't been easy. It's not, for most people, it's not, oh, I'm going to make this decision, check, done. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of um, traumatic, post-traumatic stress. And mm-hmm. and so it's, it's so taxing on a woman who has made this decision. Um, and... And I think that the church needs to step up and and hold um, hold ourselves accountable to protect and take care of women who are facing this issue, mm-hmm. especially if they don't have um, the support of their significant other. Um, if we're not going to hold these men accountable, we need to be there for the women who are having to face these decisions. Hmm. Excellent answer. I love how you <clears throat> boiled it down back to love. I think that believers... That is our, that's our mandate. I mean, when it comes down to it, if you don't know what else to do, love. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the answer. Judgment is not the answer. Love is the answer. Mm-hmm. And I, I like how you, all those things you said were, I think were wonderful. Um, I would only add that um, just to let people know uh, what I, some of the things I found online about some of the, the consequences of having an abortion mm-hmm. to consider. I mean, there are psychological consequences and physical consequences um, and side effects that can happen from having an abortion. And one of the things I saw from Iranian Journal of Psychiatry says that abortion, either medical or criminal, has distinctive physical, social, and psychological side effects. And this is a study that was done. It says the results revealed that at least one-third of the respondents have experienced psychological side effects, depression, worrying about not being able to conceive again, and abnormal eating behaviors uh, were reported as dominant psychological consequences of abortion among the respondents. Decreased self-esteem, nightmares, guilt, and regret were among the consequences. So there's a lot of, of uh, psychological things that can happen post, post-abortion uh, things. And then also there are a lot of physical side effects in this. was really surprising to me. Um, this is from the NHS website. And they said uh, these are some of the physical side effects is that there could be infection of the womb. Uh, some of the pregnancy can remain in the womb. Uh, there can be a continuation of the pregnancy, which means that it was a false abortion. Uh, there could be excessive bleeding, uh, damage of the entrance of the womb or the cervix, and then uh, a, just a damage to the womb. So there are physical and uh, psychological um, consequences to making that decision to have an abortion. Uh, 
So I guess I just wanted to mention that. And I think that that would be something. I, and hopefully, if they did go to a place like uh, Alternatives of Kalamazoo, we have that here in Kalamazoo, um, they would learn some of the stuff that, of course, I'm only finding on the internet. So <laughs> <laughs> they would be a lot more knowledgeable to help people to understand. Uh, but um, so anyway, I, I like what you said, but I just wanted to tag on some of the some of the things that I didn't know about the uh, consequences of having an abortion. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you bring that up. Um, when I was doing some of this research, I kept going back to, I just, I feel like abortion is wrong. I feel like it, right? And I'm like, okay, is this because I'm socialized to feel this way? Is this because I was raised and, and brought up in a really conservative, traditional community, um, very actively pro-life Um and I also realized that I feel is not <laughs> is not a grounds to stand on. Um, however, I do think there is something to be said about the psychological impact that mm-hmm. an abortion has on a person. Um, and at least I have never met someone that has been excited about or excited that they terminated a pregnancy. It always comes with feelings of remorse, regret, um, anxiety. And that in and of itself tells me that it is more than a socialized behavior mm-hmm. or so socialized feeling that mm-hmm. abortion is wrong um but yeah just that i'm i'm really glad you brought that up yeah i would agree with you i mean that's one of the things that i mentioned earlier too is that i don't know if you could find someone who would say the abortion is right yeah um i think you find loads of people who says say it's wrong and there are and, and many people who are conflicted about the topic but uh yeah so anyway what would you say to a believer who doesn't think that abortion is technically mm-hmm. a sin mm. Um, first of all, you are not a baby killer. <laughs> I think, um, again, this issue, there's so much more to this issue than I know. Um, I'd love to sit down and learn more about why you feel that way um, and what biblical grounds um, you have to stand on if you are a Christian or a Bible believer. Um, you have a different opinion on when human life begins or maybe the value of human life, and I respect you for that. Um, and I also understand that um, maybe legal, again, legalizing abortion alone is not necessarily the answer. Um, I've heard a lot of, um, people who are in the pro-choice, uh, camp say, you know, pro-life is really just pro-infant life or pro-baby life or pro-unborn life. Um, and, and life encompasses so much more than Mm -hmm. what happens when a baby is born. So I think, um, legitimizing that is a good place to start and then maybe beginning a dialogue that breaks down into more of like the biblical perspective mm-hmm. of where this person's coming from. That is really good. I, I, you know, in these episodes, and I apologize for any listener who has heard an episode and doesn't feel like I'm giving it a enough of a, um, if I'm too callous and too, I don't want to be judgmental on the show, but I think that um, the Bible sometimes is very clear on what is sin and what is not sin. This particular topic is not as clear. Uh, but when I when I come across a topic like this that is not as clear as we would like it to be, uh, then I default to the character of God and what we know of God, of who he is. And the pattern that God continues to show throughout the scriptures, and, it, and specifically uh, when it's taught, when it's mentioned the fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, as opposed to the acts of the flesh, which are sin, uh, se- uh, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, 
idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And that comes from Galatians 5. And as I look at those two conflicting ideologies or um, belief systems, um, if we are to be honest with ourselves, and if we want to be like to model Jesus, then we should wrestle, we should not wrestle long with the question, I think, as to whether abortion is sin. Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is love. And we had talked about this a little bit uh, already in the show, but how would you define love? And I would look at um, uh, the idea that even loving something that is not born is, I think, an act of love. And the greatest uh, uh, act of love is sacrificing oneself for another, as Jesus did for us. So if we are willing to put the needs of the unborn child above our own, my argument would be that we are reflecting a kind of love. Uh, but if we act selfishly, and I know, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, who disagree with the selfish argument, uh, but I think that when we do, then we are determined to put our needs above the needs of the unborn child, and that, to me, is an act of selfishness. So if I look at the character of God, and that's my argument, and uh, I, would just, I would just say that God is love, and, th- and that's one of the fruits of the Spirit, and selfishness or selfish ambition is uh, an act of the flesh, which would be my argument for um, technically considering abortion to be a sin. So, if abortion is murder or a sin, what does that say about our God? Mm, So much. I think that it is a really cool thing to know that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, omnipotent, you know, responsible for the entire planet. And yet he cares enough for us as humans to stand up for justice for the unborn. Mm -hmm. Um, Even if your view of human life... um, even if you believe human life begins when that's those cell that mass of cells begins mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um if we believe that god um if we believe that abortion is murder it means that god is is looking out for humans um even at the point of when we begin as a mass of cells mm-hmm. and i think that that's a pretty cool thing yeah i think that also it says that our god is sovereign I think that um, if if the whole birth process is indeed God's territory, then we should leave it up to Him. I, that's my my thought on it, and and that uh, we do serve a, a sovereign God. And sometimes, what we want to believe and what is true sometimes don't align. So we need to. I think we really need to. Maybe we do need to wrestle with this question. So anyway, I I do agree also that. Um, it's a tough question, right? As we're as we're going through this, I'm, I'm kind of perspiring, thinking, "Wow, this is really hard." Uh, but we do know the God that we serve. We do know the character of God, and we always lean on that. And He is always a loving God. We know that the things that we know about Him are unchanging. But the one thing that that I lean on, as far as a topic like this, is His sovereignty, which some can say is a cop out. But I just think it's. It's one of the things where we are not God and he is God. And it's like I lean on his divine knowledge and and divine goodness to shepherd us through this. And I believe that the Holy Spirit can also train us to help us to understand what is good and what is right uh, in this situation. That said, also do really understand that I'm not everybody and everyone, every situation is not the same. And 
and trying to boil it down to to that is is a tough as a tough way to, to go. So what are some of the takeaways that will help us become more hardcore in our faith from our conversation today? Oh, man. Um, well, a big takeaway for me um, is just being able to admit that, like, we don't know. We, we don't know all of the details of the intricacy of when human life starts. And it's okay to admit that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so often we like to come into these conversations like guns ablazing, right? This is this is the research I've done. This is the medical theory I'm siding with. Um, and I think it's okay to know to mention that we are humans and we don't, we're not God Mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And that is where a lot in my mind, a lot of humility and compassion enters the conversation and we start to get somewhere. So that's the biggest one for me. What about you? Well, as I mentioned already, abortion is difficult. It really is more difficult than, than, uh, what I think humanity makes it. Um, and I've been, uh, like I said, I've been put in a position. Uh, put I've been put in a position where I've had to to face the uncertainty of whether I was going to be a young father or or not. So I do think that I have at least an inkling of what um, people who are facing unpregnant unplanned pregnancy go through. So I think there is a danger, as you've already uh, alluded to earlier, of trying to. Um, have the wrong tact with dealing with someone who is in that situation. If we've never been in the situation ourselves, is 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 really tough. And love is the way to go in that situation. Um, uh, the temptation to remove uh, that which threatens us is only natural. So if you have someone who is uh, young, f- afraid, and wants to just get rid of the quote unquote problem, I think that's natural. That's a human a human response. And uh, it's only what we do after that that I think matters, not the feeling of, of, of fear. Um, but we must, I think we need to call out abortion for what it is. And the dictionary does say that it is deliberate uh, termination of a human pregnancy. And if um, not for the abortion, basically it's saying that human life would continue, it would actually happen. So whether you consider abortion murder or whether you consider it selfishness or whatever else it might be considered. Um, I would love, I think that people really need to, I hope, at least this is my, my thought, is that, that people fall on, the, on, the, on the, the side of that it is sin, however you look at it, whatever you want to call it, uh, however you want to get there. It is not God's plan, in my opinion. So uh, I think that both, whether it's, it's murder or whether it's selfishness, goes against God's plan and, and his character. So anyway, that's kind of what I take away from this. But I also understand that it is a lot more difficult than even that. So I think that uh, um, if those, if there are any who are struggling with this, um, the only answer is the Lord and prayer. But uh, but I think that believers who do see others who are struggling with abortion or the question, love is the only answer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I think the church bears a responsibility to look out for the vulnerable and the underrepresented and the disadvantaged. Um, And that looks, I mean, that can be in a variety of ways, whether it's at the policy and lawmaker level or creating programs um, that support young mothers or um, partnering up with more of the um, social services um, that are available in our community that are protecting this community. I think there's a lot we can do. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of opportunity Um, and we owe it, um, to the people that we serve in our community to, to research this topic and to get more involved. And I think that when it comes to 
the vilification of those who have had abortions or who are considering abortions. I think that um, there's a danger of that, of being able to, as, I mean, yes, there are some who who abuse uh, abortion uh, and it is like a, a you know, a, I don't know, a, a prophylactic uh, after the fact type thing. But there are those who are really struggling, who are really dealing with something hard. And I think that, um, as was mentioned earlier in this episode, as believers, we need to not be the ones to vilify. We should be the ones to love. So anyway, we'll leave it with that. And I want to thank you, the listener, for spending time with us to explore the question, is abortion murder? I hope you enjoyed the show. Be sure to join us next time as we explore another challenging topic from a Christian worldview. But until then, I encourage you to make every effort to keep your walk hardcore. See you soon. If you'd like to let us know your thoughts about this episode, or if you have an episode topic that you'd like to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to drop us an email at writecmv at hotmail.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-C-M-V at Hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Hardcore Christianity is produced by KTF Productions. Thanks for listening and God bless.